Hey everybody, got a really special show for you this week. Mark Shepard from Dead is Dead, uh, the band from Milwaukee, and formerly a four-star Ford and volunteer and stock options. Man's been in a lot of bands. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, very good friend of mine. Known him for many, many years. He's on the program. Doing what I originally thought was just like a rare interview. Turns out this is the first time he's ever been interviewed like solo. So this is kind of a, a, a very big treat for everyone. Uh, we're talking about uh, his past as a musician, bands he's in, uh, the upcoming show, the new record. Uh, by Dead is Dead, Constraints of Time, which you can pre-order at uh, I Industries. Comes out on the 22nd. So we get on top of that. Um, it's going to be a good show. Got a lot of stuff coming up this weekend. We got that, and there's Party on the Pavement here in town. Uh, gotta go see another buddy's band there, the uh, uh, Blank Fest. Uh, we can finally announce the uh, bands. We're gonna be playing Blank Fest 11 this year. If you don't know what Blank Fest is, just put that in your Google machine. Type in Blank Fest. Blank Fest Wisconsin this year is December 8th and 9th. On the 8th, we have uh, Sandy Jean and the Pole Tops in Shameless Place. And then on uh, December 9th, we have Dead is Dead. Body Futures and uh, Conan Neutron and, his, and, and and the Secret Friends. Secret Friends. There's I don't even know who they are. That's how secret they are. But it's going to be one hell of a benefit for the homeless. So please be sure if you're in the area, even uh, Chicagoish, uh, to come on up. You bring a blanket to get in, and uh, it gets donated to the homeless. It's good times uh, all around. Uh, real quick before we get into the interview, I just want to talk real quick about something. I was thinking about this, how people get stereotyped, they get pigeonholed into things. Um, none more so than myself. Uh, I was at a wedding a few years ago, and it just, I don't know what made me think of this, but I was at a wedding a few years ago, and it was right in the height of when I kept putting out um, horror content uh, on, on YouTube, which I'm getting back into. And um, at one point, someone who was a friend of the groom their daughter went into the bathroom and she got her finger caught in the door like where it shuts you know, the hand by the hinge the door swung and cut her top, top of her finger right off just like gone laying there on the floor of a bathroom in the basement of a charcoal grill and they immediately without even thinking come up to me and say hey you're used to blood and viscera so why don't you go pick up that finger so we can get her to the hospital and get it reattached so apparently just because I'm surrounded by fake blood fake blood that means that I am totally okay with bullshit yeah, it was a good time. And because of that, I missed cake. So that pissed me off because uh, I'm a fat guy. And I was even bigger back then. And I missed cake. That really upset me. I wanted cake. I did. Oh, well. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, my... Uh, I, I guess this is kind of in-depth chat with Mark Shepard from Dead is Dead. Uh, we talk about all sorts of stuff, and then after that, we'll hear another track off of Constraints of Time, Faults and Failings, and uh, we'll be right back. I eat wop wobble for breakfast. 
This episode of the Ron Partee Show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So head over to audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show today. Coming up this Friday on 922, depending on when you're listening to this, it could be afterwards, in which case you drop the ball, folks. Dead is Dead's new album is coming out, uh, plus they're having a show. It's not a release show. We've been over this. It's not a release show, kids. It just ha- so happens to fall on the day that uh, the album comes out. It's going to be at, in Racine, Wisconsin at McCullough's Pub with Hot Coffin. It's going to be a good time. You should be there. With me right now is a dear friend of mine. Uh, or a friendly deer of mine, uh, <laughs> drummer for Dead is Dead, uh, Mark Shepard. Mark, thanks for being on. No problem. I've known you for, is it 23 years now? It's either 23 or 24, but you, when you get this old, it's hard to keep track. It really, I yeah, it re- I'm, I'm at this point, I'm just like, I like cutting people in half just to see how old they are, because it, it just keeps getting higher and higher, and I don't want to have <laughs> to think about it. Yeah. Uh, now, we're both from Racine, and we both met at Walden. Which is the greatest high school on yep. the planet. Uh, anybody who says otherwise can fuck themselves. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, now you, did you always, like, we met in high school, but Walden has the middle school. You went to the middle school there, there too, right? Yeah. And what was it like? Now, was there was there much of a difference between the middle and the high school? Nope. It was just a little bit lower of an elevation, mostly. Because you were downstairs? <laughs> Yeah, first floor is middle school, basically. Second floor is high school, for the most part. And, and other than that, not much of a difference. And, and and drunk art is in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Joe, good old Joe Cranley. Um, now, were you when we met? You had already been even had been playing guitar for how long? Well, I started when I was seven, so probably about seven years. Something well, like that. Now, did, what what got you into wanting to play guitar? Uh, I don't know. I just always wanted to be in a band from as far back as I can remember. Back then, it was bands like Poison and Bon Jovi, and I'm not really afraid to admit it. <laughs> That's what got me into it. Well, hey, I mean, it's what get, whatever gets you into it is what gets you into it. It's what you do with it once you're there. Yeah. You know, uh, now, Poison, Bon Jovi... Uh, you are officially now wanted, dead or alive, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> now, you, when you got into high school, um, that was mainly around the time when Nirvana kind of hit it big. Yeah. Now, was that is that something that really affected you right away, or does that something like did you did it did you have to go hunting for it, or did it just kind of show up in your face and say, "Hey, look at me"? I think, like a lot of people back then, basically as soon as I saw "Smells Like Teen Spirit," it just flip it flipped a switch and i was just i liked a new kind of music almost overnight and did you That's go out and buy the record right away or um i don't think i did back then i i think i joined like bmg or something to get cds <laughs> and i got that album probably i mean it was a couple months after it came out but so you didn't return your copy of thriller to get smells like uh, to get never mind like a lot of people did no. <laughs> or not, well, it wasn't Thriller. It was something else. It was some Michael Jackson album, though. Uh, the one with uh, It's Dangerous, I think it's called. Okay, yeah. Because I remember that it uh, it ended up dropping in the in the charts because people were returning it to get Nevermind instead. Yeah. Um, and uh, we met in freshman year. I want to say the second half. Oh, was it the second half of freshman? No. 
It was uh, the second half of the first semester, I want to say. That sounds about right. It wasn't. I'd have to. Yeah, it wasn't like an immediate thing, like right away. But then we uh, we met like because Walden was one of those high schools that still had the four quarters, if I remember. At that mm-hmm. at that point, so I think we met in the second quarter, and you know, I you, you, he this man opened my eyes to all sorts of awesome music, and it, it, everything from that point, you know, music kind of you know directed my life and everything. And it's uh, so it's your it's your fault. Yeah, it's all your fault. Um, that I, I listen to Sunny Day Real Estate and and Mineral and such, but um, now we uh, I'm, I, you knew you had to have known in the back of your head I was going to bring this up. Uh, let's talk a second about Dive Bomb. Oh, okay. Yes, Dive Bomb. That was a band that you, uh, Nick, your brother, who's also in Dead Is Dead, and mm-hmm. Whitney Tesca were for one night. We played a horrible rendition of. Um, Sliver by Nirvana off of Incesticide. Yeah. <laughs> it was a horrible. I, I you sent me the video and I tried to watch it and I got maybe thirty seconds into it and I said can't do it anymore. Sorry, gotta go. Uh, it's like watching your first horror movie uh, that you've made. You know, for me, yeah. It's, I, it's, I kind of wish that I had never found the video in a way because in my head it was so much better. Yeah, because than we, it actually was. <laughs> yeah, because we won like third place in the high on the was it the high it was the high school level. And yeah. and we won third place. I'm like, holy crap, we won something. We we must be awesome. And it turns out, no, that's just everybody was that shitty. Yeah, yeah. There but, weren't even a whole lot of bands. It was people doing like, oh, here's my shitty juggling or. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And then plus, uh, um, Jenny, what's her face, was on the judging panel, and she was a big mm-hmm. Nirvana fan. So it was like awesome. Yeah, the middle school band was Nick and Whitney were all. Also, in Teen Spirit, and they got first place for that because yeah. they were in sixth grade and we were in ninth grade. But yay, ninth grade! But uh, <laughs> and we won, and we uh, we ended up giving Whitney a brownie, and we got to split the money between me, you, and Nick. Mm-hmm. And then we and I ten remember, whole dollars each. Hey, hey, for fifteen year olds, sixteen year olds, ten bucks is a lot of money back in ninety three. Remember when they still yeah. had VCRs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I put a down payment on a on a car or something with that ten dollars. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> I, I went and filled up a gas can, thinking, "Wow, <laughs> at some point I can put this in a car." Um, but uh, that was that was a lot of fun, I think, back then, the formative years. But what I want to get to is after dive bomb. Now, okay, this is where the timeline gets a little muddy for me in my brain. You were you in a band with Whitney? before dive bomb or was it afterwards that uh, planet seven started it was afterwards okay i think it was, then, that was kind of right around the time that we had met whitney we did the the talent show and then maybe six months later or something we started playing again and I then think. how did that come up did you just ask him if he wanted to be in the band or did it just kind of because i know you and nick were pretty much kind of doing your own thing at that point yeah, we had played with a bunch of random people trying to find a drummer. And just we had a couple different guitar players, a couple different singers, and we eventually just asked Whitney if he wanted to do it. I think the, the holdout originally was that everybody, you know, I had people in mind that were more my age, and we tried them all and it didn't work out. Or, so we said, oh, let's ask this 12 year old Whitney if he wants to be in our band. <laughs> and 
lo and behold, he he's jumping onto drum sets in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you guys were Planet Seven for a while, uh, and then you became only Airplanes Count, and you added Ryan Paulson on guitar. Am I getting my my my, my timeline right here? Uh, well, our friend Michael was in Planet Seven. I don't remember if you knew that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, we played the talent show the next year, and I have that on video too, I think. But Michael was in the band for a while, and then we were just a three-piece again, and then we got Ryan in the band too. And that's when things really started to kick off for you guys, is when it, when you were like when you were only airplanes count, and because you guys were on the uh, I can't I'm 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 gonna have to bring it up I'm sorry, but the emo diaries volume one. Yeah. Um, even though none of none of the stuff that you've ever done has ever been slightly considered emo. Well, around that point, right around the time that that comp came out, I think we, because when you're young, you just kind of emulate bands, and we were emulating Mineral for a while, right around 1997 when that comp came out. So it was briefly emo. Well, I I remember uh, we were outside of Taco Bell. This this is ridiculous. I'm remembering this stuff all of a sudden. We were outside of Taco Bell. I think we were skipping third period to go get uh, tacos, which we did a lot. And um, order two bean burritos minus onions and a, and a water uh, <laughs> because we were all broke. But you showed me a copy of the comp and I was like, oh, who's this other band out here? Jimmy Eat World. And I didn't even think anything about it. And all of a sudden now they're, you know, ridiculously big. It's it's crazy how stuff like that happens. Sure is. I mean, you just kind of like, oh, whatever. So from there you did the emo diaries and then you moved away from that, which was the smartest move you ever did. Um, and you, at what point did, were you guys still a three piece for a while? Rex and I remember Ryan left only airplanes count. Did did you become four solo forward at that point or was it after? No, we stayed, uh, when we did the first record, uh, we were still only airplanes count and there was even artwork done up that said that on there and just for whatever reason, we decided we wanted to move away from that name. I think it actually had something to do with the Emo Diaries comp. <laughs> to be, we didn't know it was going to be called that. None of the bands really did. And I think some of them were kind of pissed. But we were playing a show with Planes Mistaken for Stars the day that we changed our name. And we were joking with them because around 1998 or whenever it was, there were a lot of playing bands. There was Jets to Brazil and... Planes Mistaken for Stars, and I think we made a joke, like, names mistaken for ours, <laughs> rhymes. <laughs> so, and we were just moving towards a heavier sound, and we wanted to just distance ourselves from the whole emo thing, and decided on Force a Forward, which, in hindsight, I might not have picked, because every time you say that name, people go, what? Because huh? it's, it's a fake word, it's, or two words kind of pushed together. Right. But... What was the book that it, that was in the in the in the forward for? It's called The Good Soldier. See now, I, now everybody go out buy buy The Good Soldier, and they're going to be wondering why is there all <laughs> these people buying this book? It actually says to Stella Ford in the beginning, but that to Stella doesn't sound very cool. No, and I want to know who Stella, <laughs> now I want to know who Stella Ford is. Did you ever look it's the it up? Author's, I think it's the author's wife. Oh well, there it's you go. By Ford Maddox Ford is the guy's name. Oh, well, all right then. There you go. Mystery solved. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Columbo. Uh, and now, at that point, you were forced all forward, and you the first record came out, and it was significantly different from 
what came out afterwards, which was, I can never say the name right, uh, the second record. Um, the second one was Insincerity Down to an Art Form. Yes. I can. I always mess up the words because oh. <laughs> my brain is broken. But uh, now that was a considerably big difference um, when it comes to uh, the first record. I mean, was that uh, obviously you mentioned that you were going towards a heavier sound? Was that a conscious decision or just kind of happen? It just kind of happened. I mean, what's kind of funny is all of everything that the band ever did really only took about five years, and it felt like compared to now that felt like a million years. But we we would change drastically in the the span of like 11 months back then. And it was just, when you're that young, you're kind of discovering things every day and music was kind of different then. You'd discover it a lot differently. And when when you'd open like a new door and hear something new, you'd be like, oh, I want to hear more like this. And you just, things changed all the time, I guess. And we just started discovering heavier bands. Like I always talk, like Cole S was one of the biggest influences on me for like heavy music back then when i heard that i was like what is this i want more of this and that's kind of what we were trying to do even though it didn't sound like that but well everybody's got their own thing and you, you i mean you can uh emulate as much as you possibly can without ripping off mm-hmm. entirely um but now insincerity down to an art form comes out and it's pretty blisteringly heavy i would say it's your it's your it's your heaviest record, I I, I would argue. Um, yeah. Because then when Quietus comes out, um, you kind of have more of an electronic sound in in kind of interweaved inside of everything else, and w- that was kind of uh, thanks to Jim. Well, Jim was on Insincerity too. Oh, he was okay. See, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you guys went, but he's he's kind of like the, the person that pushed towards the more electronic stuff, though. Would you say is that more his doing? Yeah, that seems accurate. I wouldn't really call it electronic overall. He there was a lot more effects on it. Well, effects we electronic, it. but I mean, like it, it it added a different kind of uh, vibe to the songs than what were on Insincerity to an art, down to an art form. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, now, when how did you, how did you guys get Jim in the band? It, it, I hate to, I hate to be the guy and bring that Jim up, but he's kind of an integral part of your, I guess we'll call it career, you know. So. You no, know, I think it was um, it was either Kurt or Matt. Oh man, Kurt and Matt, friends of ours um, that were good friends with Jim. They suggested Jim to us, and he had. He was playing in Silent Circus back then, and I think they were done or something, and he was looking for a new band, and we were looking for a new guitarist, and he was really big into bands like Fugazi and stuff, and that's kind of, you know, close to what we were trying to do. So we just started playing with him, and it, it kind of clicked right away, and the rest was history. Now, what led, now he was on Insincerity, he was on Quietus, um... What led to his departure from the band? If we, if you can want to talk about it, um, it was just well, we did a lot of touring, and I think that just kind of wore him down, and we just weren't clicking as well anymore. And he seemed very distant. And at the time, it seemed like the best decision was for us to kind of part ways, and. That's what we decided. In hindsight, 
who knows if it was the best decision or not, but you kind of fly by the seat of your pants when you're doing a band sometimes. Right, right. So. And, and for those that don't know, um, we was it been, it's been, what, a year, two years now since we lost Jim? You know, about a year and a half, about I think, a year and a half, or yeah. that close was, to two years, December of... Uh, 2015 yeah it was uh it was it was hard on everybody because i'm really good friends with jim's cousin and i i, mm-hmm. I was in a band with jim before he joined up with you guys and for like an, an hour and yeah. uh you know because that's how things were back then it's like yeah let's be in a band awesome and then like next day it's oh, we're not in a band whatever but um and uh he was always a cool guy uh he didn't really seem to be like a shit talker which was good um he seemed he was a very quiet guy Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, like I'm, I'm really, really good friends with his cousin, and we, uh, we would run into each other all the time, and uh, so it, it's his his passing hit a lot of people, I think. Oh, definitely. It uh, it was a very it was a very tough time. Um, now let's move away from that for just a moment. Well, there's nothing more to talk about it, but you know, let's just move away from that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when uh, how long were you guys a three piece before Dan joined the band? Uh, we never stayed a three-piece after parting ways with Jim. We kind of just took a little bit of a break, but we never played any shows as a three-piece or anything. So I think there was just less than six months in between Jim leaving the band, or I guess we kind of kicked him out. But um, Jim's departure and Dan joining was probably four or five months, something like that. And did you feel that Dan like kind of gave a shot in the arm to to the the music that it needed, or? Oh yeah, we wrote that last record like really fast because Dan can just come up with riffs like all day long. I would uh, I would I would definitely say that uh, uh, you may you'll probably argue with me about it, but uh, I think Well Versed in Deception is probably your 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 best album. Which sucks because it was your last. I kind of go back and forth between that one and Quietus, which one I like more. But well, it's hard to say. It, you when you're also, involved with it, it's hard to say, you know. Yeah, I mean, you also, I mean, I, I think I, I think we had talked about this back then. Um, were you in Texas at this? Were you living in Texas at, around this time? No, I didn't move to Texas until after the band broke up. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Uh, stupid Texas. <laughs> stupid Texas and their hurricanes trying to take over the news cycle but no um I, i'm totally gonna get shit for that but um uh when you when well versed and deception came out you had made the uh the cave-in the steve was it steven brodsky's like decision to not scream anymore uh because of your you wanted to keep your voice um did that affect this the songwriting at all I still did some screaming on that record, a little bit. Yeah, but not as much as Nick was doing. Hmm. Uh, I guess I didn't notice that. <laughs> Cause there, I know, still thought it was about the same as Quietus, really, maybe even a little bit more screaming. It doesn't feel very screamy to me when I go back and listen to it. Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to check my notes and my, my charts and graphs on the screaming to singing ratios. <laughs> Please do that and get back to us, and I will yeah. talk about it in a later episode. Uh, so yeah. now you took a ba- uh, a break for a long time. Would you say what was it, about five, ten years, maybe? Um, let's see the last, very, very last Forstella Ford show, which was kind of like a. It was after we broke up, and I moved to Texas, and then moved back. We did four shows, 
and the last one was in I think January of 2005 and then I didn't play another show until I was doing stock options in April of 2011 so about six years. Okay, so I was I by saying between five and ten, I, I may I was okay there. I covered my bases. Yeah. Uh, yes. So now, what made you want to start performing with in stock options with uh, with Marty and, and Kevin? I had wanted to do a band the entire time, but I think the problem is when you do a band that's is big of a project is four style forward, and we toured. We played four hundred and fifty three shows. And it, it like was our life. And when you stop and you try to do something new and start from scratch, it's just hard to build something when you had already s- built something that lasted so long. Because we started, you know, we started playing in that band. If you, we just talked about it, we really started when we were very, very young. Like the first tour we did was 1997. Whitney and Nick were not even old enough to drive. So we built it up from that until the point when we're in our young 20s, and then it just stopped. And then it's it's hard to get going again, I guess, is did, really what happened. Do you – do you? Now, I don't think anybody – you've talked about this uh, much, uh, especially to me, which is weird. Uh, but do you uh, – what what brought about the end of Forstella Ford? <laughs> you know what's really funny about that is a lot of it, we just – we're getting kind of burnt out on touring, but we were getting, we thought we were getting old. Like I was 24 when the band broke up and I was oh. like, you know, I'm near my mid twenties. I got to just grow up, man. I got to get a job. I got to, can't do this band thing anymore. And it's to be honest, the band, like it costs a lot of money to be in a band. And we were worried about just spiraling into a lot of debt and would just thought, you know what? It's time to grow up and the band. And just what's funny is, you know, now I'm, much much older than that and doing a band again and realizing you can be an adult and be in a band it doesn't have to be one or the other but and who knows that's uh, kind of a, maybe if you had maybe if kickstarter was around back then you wouldn't have had to worry about it yeah maybe i mean we really quit at a kind of dumb time too because we were starting to get like we had ads for the record in some pretty big magazines and we'd done a couple of interviews towards the end and we got offered some decent tours so we probably quit at the the worst time possible but that's you know hindsight is 2020 so do you do you have regrets for that then would you say a little bit i'd like to kind of see you always wonder what the next next record would have been or the next tour or if it would have gotten better but you can't I mean, just can't think about it now. It's the, can't change it. So, right, right, exactly. But now, um, you um, you started doing stock options, and mm-hmm. and that kind of that went for a little while. Uh, you, but you switched to drums. Well, why the switch yeah. to drums? Well, I don't know. It was just a challenge, I guess. And I mean, the guitar player in stock options, Kevin, is a drummer first. And he an wanted to play guitar. Drummer. An amazing drummer, we should point out. He's an amazing guitarist, too. He's just a talented guy. But we just both, we talked about it and said, you know what, if we do a band and we practice a couple times a week and play some shows, we're going to get better at these instruments we're trying to get better at. And Marty hadn't been in a band for a long time either, so he was kind of like relearning how to be in a band. And it just, it was a lot of fun. It was a good 
a good way to get back into playing music for me and Marty. And it's Kevin's always been playing music, but it was good for him to to get into playing guitar some more. Oh, definitely. And that I remember seeing you guys at Quarters. I think that's what that where it was Quarters. That that show. I think it was your last show. <laughs> Stock options. Oh yeah, probably. That's where our last show was. About uh, five years ago. Yeah, that's and then now from that point. You and Marty moved on to uh, Volunteer, mm-hmm. which um, was a three-piece for a while. Am I, am I correct about that? Yeah. Yeah, I started yeah. off playing drums in that, too. And then, yep, that started Triple I Industries. Mm-hmm. Now, what was the... What was the? Was that just to be able to get your own records out, or...? Well, we actually... Um, Stock Options put out their own CDs, which is, you know, it's not quite the same as records, but we'd done two of those... And then the first, like, volunteer recorded a demo, but because we, when we first started the band, we said, you know what, why don't we put, uh, I think it was like $10 a week each. We just, we'd bring $10 to practice, and we would just kind of save up, and by the time we recorded those six songs, we had enough money to put it on vinyl. So we basically pressed our demo onto vinyl, and then we did... When it came time to do our next record, which is the Goner 10-inch, I think that's when we decided, you know what, we keep putting out records. Why don't we at least put a name on this? And I don't remember if we, I don't remember if that's an official Triple I release or not. It's on. I think the 10 inches. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. But any, yeah, we'd already been doing it, so we decided to just put a name to it. Is essentially how we started. And the first like record we did that wasn't ours was this the suit mode seven inch that we did and now you guys are taking over the midwest yeah i I really like that hot coffin release boy boy and you'll be playing with them this friday at mccullough's pub uh in racine 3700 meacham road uh hot coffin dead is dead album release show it's not a party it's not anything like that but definitely come check that out now uh volunteer it's still go they're still going uh, Kevin came in on mm-hmm. drums. You started playing. You switched to guitar. Um, at, at, what, yeah. at what point did you just want to keep playing drums? Is that why you quit? And you just decided, hey, look, I'm just going to, you know, this isn't my bag anymore? Or... No, to be, I mean, I was doing two bands for a while. I was playing guitar and volunteer while Dead is Dead was starting. And I just got to the point where I felt personally I was, it was, bands were taking up too much of my time. And I was really into Dead is Dead. We were, focusing really focusing on writing as many songs as we could as quickly as we could but while spending a lot of time on each one which kind of isn't what i just said but whatever (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i just didn't want to do two bands is what it came down to and i picked dead is dead because it was newer and yeah that's basically it i i still get along with everybody in volunteer and i'm still part of the label even though i'm not in volunteer and we're playing a show together next month which will be fun would you say that being in dead is dead is a little bit more comfortable for you because it's it's a dynamic that you've had before because nick is in the band yeah that seems about accurate okay and do you miss (laughs) do you miss singing and playing guitar 
I do a little bit, but uh, I used to, when we'd record records, I was so jealous of the drummers because you, you get the drums done first. <laughs> and the drummers have a lot of pressure on them then, but then they're done. They sit around and play video games and read magazines and say, yeah, that sounded good. Go, you know, whatever. But if you're the guitar player, you have to play the scratch tracks with the drummer. And then you go back and do all your guitars. And then if you're the singer, you're like the last person who does anything. And I always, I didn't really like re- doing vocals in the studio. So it's kind of nice to take a more backseat role as a drummer. I can attest to that, that being the singer and having to do everything last. And everybody is standing there watching you while you're in the booth. Mm-hmm. Just kind of watching the dollars roll up. Like, you know, this is $50 an hour, right? Exactly. Yeah, I exactly. <laughs> uh, we were yeah. lucky, though. Ernest and I was lucky that when we recorded with Chris, it was per song. Oh, yeah. So we were we were okay with that. And it only took us three days, two or three days, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And I ha- and I got sick just before I started. I started getting a real bad cold. That's why a lot oh, yeah. of the, a lot of the screaming at the end of the record isn't me. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, uh, Matt, you do it. It's like a goddamn panther. Go ahead. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, recording can be fun. But uh, now, um, Dead is Dead have a bunch of shows lined up. Um, the newest, the one that's you, we're going to be talking about right now is at McCullough's Pub. In Racine, 3700 Meacham Road, it's the um, album release show. It's not the album release. They're like, you guys aren't headlining, basically. You're opening mm-hmm. the show. Uh, and it's going to be with ha- with Hot Coffin. And you'll be having, how many copies are you bringing with of the limited edition beer-colored vinyl? Plenty. Plenty I don't, so. <laughs> I don't know exactly, but we only made 100 total. But there's, we still have, I mean, it's not even out yet, so we still have some. So if you are not able now, if people aren't able to come to the show and it is Racine, so I wouldn't doubt that. But uh, mm-hmm. and, and they still want a copy of the record, they can go to dead dash is dash dead dot com or net. I forget. Uh, well, it's dot com. But com. really, I mean, the only place we're mail ordering it is through Triple I. So you can just tripleiindustries.com or you could even go to tripleiindustries.bandcamp.com and that, that's where we we're not doing mail order ourselves the, we're having the label handle that smart well you're so, actually doing it because you're part of the label yeah i'm i'm the guy who packs up all the orders for the label so i mean it it would be the same either way they're in they're in my basement and i'd be packing them up but it's just it's just better to draw the line somewhere like we sell them at the shows and the label sells them online and then it's less confusing oh definitely but now now remember folks if you if you got that uh rutabaga seven inch from triple i industries it probably came from mark yeah that Uh, one's pretty much gone so it's a good seven inch that's why i shipped a lot of those yeah yeah rutabaga is a good band so uh, head over there and, and pre-order the album, even though by the time you hear this, it, you wait five days, you can just pick it up at the show. Uh, and the show starts at 9 o'clock, Dead is Dead and Hot Coffin at McCullough's Pub. Mark, uh, I'd say I'd love to have you back on, and I do, but I'll probably talk to you in 10 minutes. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on this. I know it's very rare for you to do interviews, especially solo interviews like this, and I, want, I appreciate you taking the time out and letting me pester you for half an hour. This was the very first one, so it's more than rare. It's- oh wow! I'm, I'm <laughs> woohoo! Yay me! But all right, then, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely have to have you back at some point, and uh, yeah. So thanks. Oh, thanks for having me.
Well, that's the show. That was a that was a fun interview in depth in in the in the uh, the mind of a of a, a musician, who, a touring musician. A lot of fun there. I thought at least, but what do I know? If you like the show, go ahead and support it. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Ron Pertee. Uh, for as little as a buck a month, you can help out. I feel like I should have a starving African child near me when I do this. I really, really do. Uh, past episodes are all up on uh, the iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play, wherever you steal your finer podcasts. And don't forget to check out greetingsfromron.com. That's the official website, all roads lead there. You can find the Twitter, Facebook, etc., etc. Uh, I want to thank Mark for coming on the show, and I want to thank you for listening, because without you, there really wouldn't be a show. So uh, tell your friends, and I hope you enjoyed, and we will talk to you next week.